Hello, this is Julie Bindle, and today I'm talking with Dora Mouteau, who is a French women's rights campaigner, who is a blogger and an author and an activist, who in 2018 created the Instagram account, which is kind of translated as, did you enjoy, did you come? It's about women's sexual experiences in heterosexuality and basically criticising the swathes of men who are rubbish in the sack. And she is a controversial figure for some, for others she speaks absolute sense. And she of course has been labelled as transphobic because she speaks up for women. She talks about women's bodies, actual bits of actual women's bodies such as the clitoris that trans women don't have and women have been in recent times deterred from speaking about even punished from speaking about now last year she took part in a tv debate program where she was completely monstered bullied and denounced. When I start to say that uh, rape happens uh, in prisons and that some uh, women get raped by trans people in, in, in prison and that it's not okay that people with with penis, they go in, in female prisons, that this is wrong. They started saying that um, I'm uh, horrible, hateful. And recently there is an update to this. What's actually happened is that she has been threatened with prison. Yes, yet again, a woman speaking up for women's rights and biological reality has been told that because she refuses to say that trans women are women and trans men are men, she's been accused of hate speech and she's been told that she will be on trial for a hate crime unbelievable. So have a listen to our conversation and I will be posting ways in which you can support Dora and of course support all of those women and some men that are being threatened by the police, by the courts, for simply stating that trans women are trans women. So, Dora, um, I'd heard of your work, and I know that us feminists that get into trouble have often heard of each other. I mean, you're in France, I'm in the UK. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your work and what you do. I was a journalist, so I was working as an editor-in-chief for a big uh, left uh, internet media called Combini, and uh, I left almost like five years ago. Uh, I left for feminist reasons. Uh, so uh, it was the Me Too movement. It was during the Me Too movement. And um, my boss was kind of weird around the subject and didn't want me to write so much around it. So I started to have some kind of problems with him. So uh, I decided to leave this media and uh, I started to write my first book, so my first activism was not about feminism. It was about like uh, a health disease that I have called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And uh, in f- people know it in, in, in England and they know it in, in America, etc. But in France, it was unconsidered by doctors. So I wrote a first book about that and I became like kind of a talk person around this specific disease. So my book worked very well. And then I did a documentary about um, uh, microbiome problems, like all the health problems you can have when your microbiome is is unhealthy. And during this time, I also launched an, um, a project on Instagram called Tajoui. It means, did you come in English? It's like a question. Did you come? And it was around female sexuality and around the the, the problem that a lot of females never get 
an orgasm and don't even think it's a problem in a heterosexual relationship. So it's it was an Instagram focused on heterosexual relationship between women and men and uh, on all the problems that we have around that and about how or 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 pleasure is not uh, taken uh, taken in consideration. So and and this Instagram uh, I created it in uh, 2019 and uh, it it became super big super fast. So the first day I I launched it and then I had 10,000 people the first day and then it became half a million women. So half a million French women following it. Wow. Just like that. And because so many women were like, yes, this is so true. I don't get any orgasm and this is unfair. And uh, they had so much to say about it. So it became like a big thing. And uh, in France, I, I was probably one of the first to use Instagram as a platform for feminist activism so that's how I used it and before I arrived it was it was in France it was not a a platform for activism it was a platform for lifestyle it was a platform for uh, I don't know like style etc but it was not used as a way to yeah put like activists uh, or feminist message out there so it became really big and um, a lot of other uh, Instagram accounts started uh, imitating or doing the same thing. And I helped so many women that were launching um, Instagram about female sexuality. So I would say for a year and a half, uh, I was invited in every media. Uh, I was like the clitoris person in France. So uh, (laughs) it was really good. And then suddenly uh, trans activists started noticing uh, me. I, I knew nothing about about them. Like I, I was not interested. I didn't. I didn't really care. Uh, the only thing I could say is that before, uh, I had another blog. So it's been fifteen years that I'm. I have an internet presence. So before I had a, a blog called La Gazette du Mauvais Goût, which means the newspaper of bad taste, uh, for ten years, and it was around like uh, weird aesthetics, and it was about freaks about kitsch, and because I was interested in kitsch, queer culture has a very kitsch aesthetic. So I I was already aware of the queer scene, but through aesthetics, I had no judgment. I I had no feminist judgment about it. So I used to talk about like transvestites. I used to talk about CC culture. I used to, I I was very interested in in fetish. I I was very interested in paraphilic paraphilia. So I already had all of this in my mind, but only through aesthetics. So even like the BDSM scene, etc., I knew it. I w- I went to parties. I knew all about that. But for me, it was just fun. And I used to write for Vice magazine. So it was true, you know, this like kind of Vice. I know it. And and so what I'm hearing is that you're you were interested in the aesthetics of a particular subculture in a way not dissimilar to those that. Um, schlep around museum after museum in Florence, in Italy, looking at paintings of Mary and Jesus. And they're not necessarily um, in with the ideology or the belief system, but they like the aesthetic of something. Exactly. So I was I was like a, a tourist, a visitor of all this subculture. So furry subculture, CC uh, C- C- subculture, transvestite. I would go to parties in London. I, I was just like, what the fuck is this? This is this is funny. So that's how I, I view it. And, and I was writing about the aesthetics of all of it. Because I was at Central St. Martins in London. I was studying fashion before. So that's how I got into this. I knew queer culture through that. And then so I started to have a feminist approach through sexuality. And uh, so the Instagram was going really well. I was starting to earn money with my Instagram because some brands were like um, brands around periods, brand about like sex toys, etc. They would they would pay me to to talk about like their products. And uh, so the the trans activists knew, knew that I was existing, and then they started to tell me that I was a turf because I was talking about clitoris and. Uh, talking about clitoris is turfy because it doesn't include trans women. Okay, so, so I have a, a terrible example there 
to come in with. Because maybe five years ago, before they started on female anatomy, accusing that, never mind us, of transphobia, I wouldn't have thought that they would dare say to my friend and feminist colleague, Nimco Ali, a Somalian woman, a black woman, who has experienced, suffered FGM, and who has campaigned massively successfully around the world to criminalise FGM, I would never have thought that they would accuse her of transphobia, and not only that, but accuse her of being a capital W, capital F, white feminist. This is incredible to me. The the audacity that they have is just just insane. It's just insane. So yeah, what happened to me is that they started telling me that talking about clitoris was... Uh, making me a turf. I didn't even know what was a turf. Like I had to Google turf. Um, so this is how it started because I was doing campaigns around like about about like pleasure and clitoris with a friend of mine who has another Instagram called Gong du Clito, and we would we would go in the city and 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 put like uh, posters and stuff, and they did decided to attack the campaign and attack us. But what was different from me, from other feminists, is that most of them started to not talk about it. They, they, start, they, they understood how dangerous it was and how dangerous they are. And they just decided to, you know, uh, not say anything. And instead, I got really interested in them. I, I was like... What, what what the fuck is going on? Why are they saying this? What is the what is the ideology? So I started to think about it a lot, research it a lot, and I started talking about it publicly. Um, and this is how I got in big trouble. <laughs> this is, I would say, an incredible story that will shock many people. I think it's going to shock a lot fewer than it would have done um, even a year or two ago. I think that the viciousness, um, the misogyny of trans activism has exposed that movement as a men's rights movement, an anti-feminist misogynistic movement, right? So we can't even speak about our own bodies. And what's interesting to me is the work that you're doing about female sexual pleasure, about heterosexual women being disappointed, shall we say, um, and I hear this all the time. I mean, I'm a lesbian, but heterosexual women tell me all the time about how rubbish men are in bed and, and impervious to their kind of desires. What really surprises me is, or rather it's it's noteworthy, about a few years ago, I wrote the obituary of an incredible American sexologist called Cher Height. Do you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I read her books, and when I wrote my own, I, I, I talked to her about her a lot. Right. So I interviewed Cher for the Guardian newspaper, oh, probably in about 2010, 11. So I met with her. We had a really interesting conversation in a cafe in North London, where every time she said orgasm and clitoris, about five, six different men's heads swivelled round taking their faces out of their bacon sandwiches and mugs of tea to hear what this woman had to say. She was a breath of fresh air. Her work changed the way that we view female sexuality. She debunked Freud and all those other male sexologists. Her work was pivotal in recognising that that women have sexual desires and sexual function beyond uh, pregnancy and childbearing. So you're obviously the new wave of feminist... I don't like the word sexologist, but a feminist that's looking at the female body, looking at female desire. This is a good thing. This is really liberating for women. This gets us to talk about our bodies and our desires in a way that destigmatizes what has become heavily stigmatized. You should be celebrated. And of course, you were celebrated. I was, until they came. And then this yeah. group of men turn up and... And they're so yeah. powerful. That's that's what is so sad. Because at the beginning, I was like, ah, oh, whatever. I, I don't know. At the beginning, I, I thought that it was, uh, you know, a, a group of ah, a few people and whatever, you know, they're not happy. But then 
they created campaigns against me. So they decided I was a transphobe and th 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 that, that they were going to crush my reputation, that they wanted to crush my reputation. And they managed it so well. No media is going to invite me anywhere now. When they talk about the sex uh, fe um, internet feminist wave, they, that I don't exist. I was the first. I don't exist. They just they just removed me. When they write about it, they, rem they I, I I'm non-existent. They did the same to Marguerite Stern with her uh, the the collage, and they did exactly the same with me with what I I with the wave I created on the inter in on the French internet. So they they started saying uh, I'm transphobic, saying like I'm an um, awful person, that I'm homophobe, that I'm like so many words uh, around me. And I don't know why people started to really believe it. And also because they asked me to stop using the word woman. They asked me to start using like, vo uh, in French, it's persona vulva, like vulva person, clitoris person, menstruation, menstruated person, uh, like all these words. And I said, no, I said, no, 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 no. I will never use this word. That, that's, you forget about it. And I became a bit vocal and maybe I was a bit aggressive and they're not used to it because most women were saying sorry. Like all the other Insta uh, sex Instagrammers saying, say, start using this new language and saying, oh, I'm sorry, I need to learn about like queerness, la la la, I need, like in this position. I, I wasn't the only one saying like, no, I'm sorry, not interested. I'm just going to talk like I want to talk. And I, I, it's And also I said something very clear. I said my angle of view is heterosexual uh, problems uh, in sexuality. I'm sorry, I, I cannot talk about lesbian sexuality as I don't have experience, so I can't. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about transsexuality. I have no fucking clue. And, <laughs> and, and they got so mad about that because for them, they think that I'm not a person, like I'm a big media because I have half a million followers. Uh, so they think that I need to talk about every type of sexualities or I'm not inclusive. So they said that I'm not inter an intersectional feminist. And because I'm not intersectional, I need to be, be thrown in the garbage. Like, I'm shit. Right. I'm so shit. intersectional. Let's have a look at that word, shall we? Yeah. Because what Kimberly Crenshaw meant when she coined the phrase was about how dueling institutionalized oppressions meet each other and exacerbate the prejudice, the bigotry, the discrimination. So obviously a black woman who goes for a job against a, you know, a black man, he might be upper class, she might be working class, she's a woman, he has class privilege, etc. We understand that intersectionality is about the oppressions that are embedded within our culture as opposed to individual identities. So a black woman like Nimco Ali oppressing a white male person who identifies as non-binary is absolute bullshit. Oh, shit. Yeah. It has become used by identitarians to describe their own special feelings and has nothing to do with material reality. So they, they seem to have got away with this because what they've done is, in my view, piggybacked on the lesbian and gay struggle for liberation and said it's the same as what we went through in the 1980s, which it isn't, I was there and it really isn't. How do you, as a heterosexual woman, say this to them without every single LGBTQQI2 Spirit Plus person <sighs> piling upon you and telling you that you are irrelevant? It's impossible and I feel right now that it's not even like... Trans people are harassing me, but it's not only trans people. It's a lot of liberal feminists. Like they're so, they're they're so like violent, and uh, a lot of these women hate me. And in in this group, there is a lot of lesbians. I, I don't understand how they cannot understand what's going on, but like they they don't. And a lot of gay men. Like uh, um, for example, um, it's insane. There is a, a place in Paris called La Mutinerie. It's like it's supposed to be like a gay and lesbian bar, but it became like a trans hub. And they did like a show. So there was a woman, uh, a trans man, which is a woman on a ring, and she was doing a, a show and she was 
fighting imaginary people and she had like uh, how do you say like um, she would put words on a on paper like that and she she was during the show she was thinking that she was fighting me because it was written it was like dora and the turfs dora muto and the turfs and so and it, it was insane like so many people clapping like awful like something like really fucked up and like la mutinerie the bar think, thinking it's okay And then, because the woman who was uh, doing this, she's a journalist at Tetu magazine, which is the biggest gay magazine in France. Like, it's one of the most famous distributed. So I wrote to Tetu saying, like, what do you have to say about that? Like, your journalist is harassing me in a bar that you all guys know. Like, what's going on here? Like, I, I need public excuse because she's she's... And in the show, she was like saying like, yeah, uh, there is going to be blood, etc. So she, she's, she's, she's saying that she, she just basically wants to kill me or, or put, punch me in the face or I don't even know. And all these people clapping and it's public and, and, and she's, she's working for Tetu magazine. So it's, you know, and they replied to, they, they replied publicly, like uh, what our journalists are doing out of their writing work is not our problem but but they know like she, she she's doing like this person is doing um stories on instagram where she's saying that uh, something really bad is gonna happen to terse if if it keeps going like that it's it's and a threat I'm... of violence it's an it's an explicit threat of violence and unlike the trans activists we do not say words of violence they say that we don't but something similar happened to me a few years ago because You know, they've been coming after me since 2004. And in about 2009-10, there was a, a queer-identified performer called Bird Le Bird, who's here in, in London. And she put this entire show on at this place called the Vauxhall Tavern, which, again, used to be a lesbian and gay haunt, and now has been completely taken over by the trans and the queer The, 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 foot, the female foot soldiers to the trans. Yeah. And she put this entire show on, which involved, she'd made some kind of mock-up of me, of my head, of my face, using photographs from the internet, and had this kind of mannequin over her knee, slapping my ass, saying that she'll teach me a lesson. And it was cheered, and they were whooping, and they were laughing, and they were celebrating. And I wasn't there... But I was told about this and it was spoken about in again, you know, the so-called gay press. And it, it would appear that they are extremely violent, but at the same time accusing us of violence by misgendering them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, so, yeah, it became like that. So, so many people harassing me online, doing stories. So, and, and the problem became big when, when the press started, started to write about me as, uh, telling I'm a transphobe. Le Monde is saying this. Like, Liberation is saying this. Like, they did that and they also took my Wikipedia page. They changed it, saying I'm from the extreme, like, the far right. They say I'm a, compl uh, I'm a complotist. Yeah, I, I believe in yeah, complotist theory. Uh, So they really managed to make me a really shitty uh, image. So when people Google me now, there is like bullshit on Wikipedia that I cannot change because it's like, yeah, because they're behind it. Um, so many medias are saying that I'm from the extreme, yeah, far right. Oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, honestly, like me, you're a leftist feminist who, you know, ticks all the boxes, is involved, goes along and supports all the correct, in their language, liberation struggles. And all of a sudden, swathes of us left-wing feminists are fascists, Nazis and bigots. So so you, you, you obviously had been monstered for, you know, quite some time, for months, and you were invited onto a television programme. And, I mean, this is... Like me, this is your domain, you're used to doing publicity, you're used to being invited on television to share your opinions, and you are seen as an expert in not just one issue, 
but more more issues than probably any other TV pundit. And tell me about the invitation and about how you felt at the time and what you thought about when you were considering saying yes to them. Yeah. So what happened is that first, why they invited me? Because during the summer, uh, Marguerite Kern and I, we wrote um, a paper for Marianne magazine about uh, the uh, Planned Parenthood in, in, in France. So Planned Parenthood, they started doing like campaigns about like trans men being pregnant, about men being pregnant, not even men, trans men, just men are pregnant. And that pregnant men can come to the Planned Parenthood. And they started saying that there is more gender than contraceptions, than types of contraception. So they, do, they started doing all these campaigns and they started also putting on their website that uh, there is like a new uh, way to talk, a new lexical. And in this new lexical, uh, you should not use the word male and female, and you should not use the word sex. So with Margaret, we decided to write uh, something about that. And we decided to write to the, um, to the first minister in France saying, hey, look, <laughs> there is a problem. And uh, because Planned Parenthood is the, the money, it comes from the state. So look at where your money is going. It's, it's supposed to support abortion. It's, it's supposed to, to support female sexuality. It's not, it's, it's not supposed to support like trans ideology. Look, trans ideology is, is, is trying to get in this, in this uh, it's one of the biggest NGO in France around the subject and this is wrong. And, what, and it's also pushing like really young women to, 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 to to become uh, men, because what we discovered is that um, a lot of like young women, when they're 18, uh, they give them testosterone after one or two appointments. So it's, it's becoming like a, a place of distribution uh, for hormones. So we, we wrote like something about that and it, it became kind of big in France. So it was really shared a lot. A lot of political people uh, read about it. And we started to have a lot of meetings with senators, with deputies, with a minute, with a lot of political people, uh, and we tried to convince them that there is a problem. Uh, so suddenly we became like uh, people knew about us, um, and. What happened is that they invited me because of that. At the beginning, they were supposed to invite Marguerite, but uh, she has she had her leg uh, her leg broken, so she asked me if I can go. Why? Because to, uh, now we're we're building a movement together. I will talk to, I can talk a bit more about this after. But we're creating a website called Femelist, uh in French. And uh, it's a website that we're building together to to put opposition because people are saying bullshit about us all the time. So we need we we want to make it clear, and we also want other women to join to be able to to be taken seriously in France because right now we we just look like two crazy person uh, apparently from the far right and they don't listen to us. So we're building this website. So Marguerite told me, please can you go because I cannot because my leg is broken. So I decided to go. So this is a show. It's like a super big show with one of uh, a star, star presenter, yeah, uh, called Lea Salamé. She's really, really huge in France. And someone told us that she was kind of, uh, she, she, she believes in her position. So that's why we des I decided to go because I knew uh, from other people that are kind of close to her that she... Uh, she's more on, on our side than the other side. So I thought that it was like a good thing to go and that she was offering me a good platform. So uh, I decided to go on the show. And at the beginning, I was really, uh, I was quite relaxed. But what they did is that they, they told me to come. You didn't go on eight. till about midnight. So that's happened to me before as well, where they get you there really early. The tension builds up. Your adversaries are in a different green room to you. Or maybe you're in the same one. What then happened? Yeah. So uh, also what happened is that before going, I talked to the editor-in-chief on the phone and I told him the, the condition is that I, I don't want anyone to, to, 
tell that I'm a fascist on the show. Like I'm not coming if um, this is going to happen because I, I know this might happen. And he told me, yeah, I promise you it's not going to happen. Everyone on the show is clear that you're you're not a fascist. I promise you uh, this is, you know, that's not a problem. We're here because we want to listen to you. We believe in what you say. So, who da, 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 thought, da. who thought, Dora, that we would actually be having to set that boundary when we go on to a TV or radio programme? Don't call me a fascist. Exactly. Insane. So I, but he, he promised me that it was not going to happen, that everyone on the show was, was okay and good with me, whatever. So I go on this show and I, so the show, it was me, it was me having a debate with someone called Marico, which is a, a mayor uh, for a city in France. And, and this person is the first trans woman uh, mayor and um, and she he I think he he wrote a book and um, he wrote a book called uh, uh, Equality Trans Identity whatever I'll, I can send you the link to the book and so what happened is that it was so vicious because I, I we arrived together on the show and first uh, he gets to talk so for like maybe 10 minutes is all about his story. And oh my God, it's this guy who was a man for like 35 years and he got married and he had a child and suddenly, oh my God, he's a woman. Like he's 35 or 40 years old, I don't remember. And he discovers he's a woman and his bad, bad wife left him. Like, that. <laughs> yeah, of course, bad wife. Like she didn't want to support him. So it's all that. And the way he talks is, oh my, I don't know. He he tries to make it very emotional and everyone on the show is like so empathic. And like, so that's, this is how it starts. Um, and everyone, and I, I listen and I hear that this guy has paraphilic problems. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's, it's, I hear another story in my head, you know? So I'm I'm like, okay, fine. And what she does, like the presentator, Lea Salame, is that I think the first or second question, I, I don't remember, but very fast when she talks to me, she puts me in a kind of a difficult situation because instead of saying like, what is a, a woman for you, Dora? What is a woman for you, Mariko? What she does is she asks me, do you think this person is a woman? And I say, no, it's not. <laughs> it's basically not a woman. So they personalize it in order to... They trapped you. They put you in a trap by asking you that question. How else was it going to end? Exactly. How else? And instead of, because they know about my harassment, they could have started so to, to try to make equality. Like they could have talked, uh, uh, told the people about how much I'm harassed for like a few years, etc. No, what she does is that she, she asked me if it's, she's, a, she's a woman, if he's a woman. And I say, no, I'm, it's not. And I explain why it's not. I say that for me, it means being a female and it's just a man with very feminine taste, like way of dressing, but it doesn't make him a woman. And the second I say that, everyone is like, oh, you're, like you're awful. You're a bad person, basically. And what happens is that he starts to talk saying, uh, what I say is a fascist, it's what fascist people say. And so he's like, yeah, I'm so used to this, blah, blah, blah. She's a, she, she's basically, she, she's part of like the fascist world of the internet. And instead of saying, of not saying anything, I'm like, no, 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 I'm not a fascist. I, I get super mad because they promised me that this was not going to happen. And so I, I start to get angry and it went really bad because after that they, she the the presenter she told me so what's what what why do you think it's uh, a problem that uh, people like him say uh, they're women and i started to talk about sports and prisons and the moment i started to talk about prisons oh my god they they like all the people on the show because it was not only me so it was it was a lot of different people because people who were on the show before so there was an actor, there was a humorist, there was a guy from a very left media. So all these people, when I started to say that uh, rape happens, 
uh, in prisons and that some uh, women get raped by trans people in, in, in prison and that it's not okay that people with, with penis, they go in, in female prisons, that it, this is wrong. They started saying that um, I'm uh, horrible, hateful. They use the word hateful a lot of times. She's full of hate. She's full of hate. That's what they were saying, especially one man um, I can send you his name, Jeremy something. I, I don't remember his family name, but he's a very famous humorist in France. And this guy, he's a big, I, he must be so misogynistic, but he wanted to take the light out of me. And, and he wanted to be the one being like the protector of this poor trans woman. And he really wanted to tell the world how hateful and awful I was. And all the people on the reacted like that. And it was awful because also they made the, because there was a lot of uh, people in the back. And every time um, they were saying I was a fascist or I was like uh, hateful, they would make people clap like that. So it was like big humiliation. And also something that happened that has been prepared for sure is that at some point, Mariko, the trans person, she says, but I'd like to know in the public, is there anyone who, uh, who already asked herself or himself, what was your gender? And suddenly, suddenly, like so quickly, they didn't look for someone. There was a woman uh, talking that I don't know and almost crying. Like she started to cry saying like, I'm a cis person, but I asked myself so many times and I feel this is so violent she's so violent and like I feel so bad about what's happening and she started crying and I was like I was like this is prepared like she, that's so strange something is so strange that suddenly this woman is crying when she's saying she's a cis person and that I'm violent so it, so the show kind of ended like that around people saying uh, uh, yeah I'm, uh, they, they even like the guy from Mediapart, which is a very far left media, he was on the show and he started comparing me uh, as a racist person. He says, yeah, you're using like prison and you're using like uh, prison and um, and uh, sports. It's like you uh, telling that uh, you don't want like, uh, let's say migrant people in France because they can rape or because they can do this or that. So he started comparing me to like, yeah, fascist, racist people. He started to, to make a comparison be, between me and the immigration problems. Like, like if it was the same, on the same level, you know? So all of a sudden, because you have an issue with men claiming womanhood and defining it for us, you're racist, you're fascist, you're anti-immigration, you are an extreme right-winger, you are violent. How did you sit there for the duration of the programme? What did it feel like? It felt terrible. I, I asked myself, what, what should I do? Should I leave? Uh, I think at some point I was very dissociated because it was so crazy that I felt that I was not in my body anymore. I was there and I was I was thinking should should I cry should I leave should I get fucking mad like at some point I can you know I like, oh. <laughs> and I, I just stayed there and I, I was I, I I tried to be as strong as I could and to stop them saying like no no I'm not this I'm not that this is wrong this is wrong but I at the end I felt that it was I couldn't do anything because my posture was so difficult because sometimes I think about like for example, some men that, I don't know, they manage the posture maybe better than me. For example, Jordan Peterson, like he's just so laid back. He's just like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. And me, I was like very, I don't know. I, I felt so attacked as a woman and four men were telling me what was what is a woman. And also there was a guy from the government who was sitting sitting there called Gabriel Attal. He's the spokesperson for the government. And he told me, he, at the end, it was so strange. He told me that uh, he's very worried for the feminist movement. And he told me, I'm, lead, I'm a leader of an, an ideology. And I told him, like, I'm sorry, biology is not an ideology. This is 
the other way around. And he told me, yeah, but because of your ideology, like it's going to break feminism. And <laughs> I was like, so I'm the, it was so fucked up that the guy of the government was saying that to me, that I'm the one like dividing feminists. So, and at the end, so when I went out, I was so shocked. I was like, you know, like what, what just happened here? And I went to talk to the editor in chief because he promised, he, he, like, he, he said something and about telling people that I was not a facial, faith, I mean, he told me something untrue. And um, at the beginning, he was kind of scared of me because I got really mad. Like I was vocal about being mad. And he told me that uh, he's so sorry. He didn't know it would go like that. Like, <laughs> come on. And he told me that they were going to cut it uh, for the, because it was not indirect. It, it, it was going to be cut and put the next day. So he told me, don't worry, we're going to cut everything and we're going to make you look good. And also, so we're on your side. And when Leah Salami came out, uh, the, the, present, the star girl, she told me the same. And she, she was so strange. She told me, uh, they all told me that it was my problem because they told me you're aggressive. That's why people are, are aggressive. And she told me, uh, when I asked you the question, do you think she's... Uh, he's a girl she told me you should have answered with an open question like no but uh i should not have answered to the real question i should have opened about what is a woman and i'm like but this is your job to not ask this question to make an open question it's not me it's it, you I, you ask this question i reply no no she that's not a woman and so they put it on me. Like, I'm the one who's aggressive. I'm the one who has problems with communication. I'm the one uh, with facial. They even told me I have facial problems. Like, you know, I, I get, uh, yeah. This is a terrible story and an increasingly familiar story. Obviously, because you have a high public profile, they were able to do this to you and humiliate you in front of millions of people. Other women are humiliated in front of their friends, their colleagues. Others are humiliated in different ways, in their workplace, at their college, in front of their community, their family. But this is just pure misogyny, isn't it? How else can we describe it? And I think the young women, including the lesbians, in fact, in particular the lesbians, who might be queer-identified, are the foot soldiers in this terrible war that we didn't ever ask to start. No, no. What do you think comes next for you, Dora? What are your plans? Clearly, you're resilient, but this must have a terrible toll on you. I understand yeah. that. So the problem is that uh, after the show, uh, because it made so much click online, they they, they they went really crazy. So the way they talked about it on Twitter and all the medias, also, they started to talk about it. The way they talked about it is like this man, Jeremy, the, the humorist, were, uh, yeah, reframing what I was saying. That they, I don't know, it, the way the tweets from the show were written, it was really to hum humiliate me even more. So in all the articles, it was about me being transphobic. So it was like a real nightmare, like so many tweets. So I decided to suspend my Instagram account and suspend my Twitter account for months because I like my mental health I couldn't like when I left the show I, I felt that I was really becoming uh, weak in some way so I decided to, to cut it to not get so much hate into my face and what happened after that it was pretty terrible like the, 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 um, I still had a, a few uh, contracts with some brands on my Instagram account. They all left me saying I'm transphobic. So I lost every contract. You lost your... I mean, you almost lost your mind because this is what they do to us. Yeah. And it had a real effect on the work and your paid work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So what we decided to do with Marguerite is to create like this, yeah, this platform, this movement. I think we're going to, probably we're going to set it up as an NGO or something like that. 
and we're, we we want to launch it maybe in a month or two uh because in france it doesn't exist there is a group but it's only for um uh it's more about like child and parents and um that's the problem there is no feminist group it's only about children which is already a big problem but it's not enough so we 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 are going to try to create this and what we're looking for is like we need investments that's that's the problem is that, at some point we're going to have a money issue uh yeah that, that, that's a problem is how to how to how to get funding for for this project because i tried already to look at like where to get money and you need to be intersectional trans woman inclusive everywhere if when when you ask for money so tell me about your NGO, what will it tackle? Do you have a name for it yet? What will its core aim be? So the name is Femeliste, like femelle in, 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 in French. So Femeliste with a E at the end. Um, so the, 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 the idea is to do lobbying. Uh, so it, it's different things. So it's going to be a small media, a bit like Redux, but... Uh, French because French people don't read English. That's a big problem in France. We, we, we suck at English and language. So I feel that most people with um, some English platform, they cannot read it. So we want to, to produce some news uh, around the subject. Uh, we want to interview international like radical feminists uh, to, to, to create like a culture in France around that. Uh, we also want to do lobbying. So what we started this summer, uh, going to see senators, going to see people from the state to explain them. So we want to 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 do that, and we also want to group like uh, to to create like group discussions with specialists. For example, uh, yesterday I was talking with a um, uh, child psychiatrist was totally um, okay with what I say and he, he he explained me what's going on in psychiatric hospitals in France when um, dysphoric uh, teenagers are coming so we want to create a, a place where we can have discussions about like the law about bioethics about everything around the subject to protect women and children from this ideology and so we want to create kind of like a, a program where we could go and try to convince uh, people from the state, but also like companies, because companies are like falling for this, like with pronouns and all all, all these things. So we're trying to build like, yeah, a small NGO around that. Well, tell us how we can support you here in the UK and elsewhere, because, you know, we have listeners in other countries. We are a global feminist movement, obviously. What should we do? We need connections with like people from other countries because we, we need to show France that uh, what's happening, what, what already happened in the UK, what's going on with like uh, um, Sweden and other countries. But it's really complicated because in France, like they, they, for some reason, they need to make the same mistake. They, they, they cannot listen about like what what already happened in other places so we don't redo it but they it's it's like they're going to redo it they need to they need to do it again so they maybe understand at some point so i don't know is is there any like international funding that we could try to get or something like that because at the end for now marguerite and i um we, for now, we're living off or um, uh, she has a Patreon and I have a TP. It's kind of the same. Like we have followers who give us money, but it's not it's 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 a small amount like we can pay rent. But that's that's it. Um, and because we I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of losing everything. And people, even when they're when they believe in what we say now, they have this posture of like, yeah, but you know, like I believe in it, but I cannot really hire you because you know, uh, you know, there is this kind of it's so complicated. Like before, I used to do, for example, documentaries for TV, and uh, I was talking to my producer, and I love my producer. Like he's such a nice guy, but he was like, you know, it's gonna be difficult, Dora, now to sell a documentary with your name. And I was like, even if I talk about something else, like. Let's say I do another documentary about like health or whatever, something else. And he's like, yeah, but your name, girl, it's... it's You see, it's us as individual women they want to cancel. 
not our ideas even, not our specific views or actions on the gender issue. They come after us as individuals and they do that because it's a lesson to others that they shouldn't speak out or the same will happen to them, which is why we've got to carry on. Despite the cost, despite the hell, we have to support each other and carry on. So, yeah, that's where we're at right now. So we're working every day on this website. And at the moment, it's like, at some point I, I was asking, should I quit? Should I just disappear, you know, just quit the subject, disappear and just because I can't handle it so much more. And I was like, yeah, but how am I going to, like, how am I going to get hired now? It's it's such a complicated situation. And at the end, I'm like, oh, no, I'd rather, you know, go straight and then maybe find money around around that and and try to earn my life trying to to protest and and to try to change things as much as i can but it's also very difficult i i guess it's maybe the same for you or other women but even with my family it's difficult they think i'm local they 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 think that i invent a problem because they don't see it you know they think how how much of a problem can it be you know well you've just told me exactly the scale of the problem and Dora I'm really really grateful to you thank you so much for speaking to me today thanks to you thanks for listening isn't that extraordinary that Dora Muto is being sued by two queer NGOs that are claiming that she has committed a hate crime I'm sorry but there will be more of these cases and we know that we will resist But the toll upon the women and some men that these misogynists come after is sometimes unbearable. Thankfully, we have an entire women's liberation movement to support us all. Thank you for listening. See you next time.